Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. On Saturday, Atlanta United will travel to Yankee Stadium to play NYCFC. It is a stadium on a very small pitch on which Atlanta United has never won a regular season match. They have won a playoff match there. So we're going to talk about that with Juan Hoparada, Machop Chol, Miles Robinson, Gonzalo Pineda, and Tony Husband, who will be on the call for Apple for Saturday's game. It's going to kick off at around 7.39 p.m. As always, you can follow my coverage on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. You can always send me questions about the team, and I'll answer them on the podcast. We're going to have a few of those at the end. So I hope you'll stick around, and please remember to rate and review the podcast wherever, whatever platform you use. And if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, to set up some of these sound bites real quick, I just want to go through records. NYCFC is 2 2 2 overall, 2 and 0 and 0 at home. Atlanta United is 4 1 1 overall, 0 1 and 1 on the road. NYCFC has scored six goals with seven allowed. Their expected goals are 6.4 to 5.7. Atlanta United's goals for and against are 13 and 9, with expected goals of 8.8 and 6.3. So they are overperforming in offense and over-allowing on defense compared to what they should be doing. So, now the main talking point you're going to hear throughout this podcast is the very small pitch at Yankee Stadium, which the minimum is supposed to be 70 by 110. It's supposed to be the FIFA minimum. New York City's pitch is either 66 or 68 by 106, according to a few MLS coaches who have walked it off. Media are not allowed to walk on the field before the game for that specific reason of walking off the dimensions of the pinch. But anyway, we're going to get into all that, uh, both with the sound bites and the mailbag. We're going to start with Juan Hoparata, Atlanta United center back, on if he agrees that the team is showing more fight this season, particularly after defeating Red Bulls 1-0 last week. That was the first time in their 13th attempt that Atlanta United had defeated that team in a regular season match. Yeah, I agree, yes, for sure. That is uh, something that Gonzalo has been saying us, uh, telling us. And yes, that's, um, that has to be our, our essence, our, our DNA, mm-hmm. fight for each other. And I think uh, with our good football and with those fights, well, in a good way, mm-hmm. 
we are going to, to achieve uh, good things as a team. And then, of course, because you're going from one tough opponent to another, I was curious if there were things that he thought they did well against Red Bulls that they need to try to continue against NYCFC. I think the duels, winning the duels, mm-hmm. as we as we win, won them in the last game, uh, the second balls. I think every everyone did a great job in terms of winning those duels. Defensively, defensively we were uh, so good, all of the team, mm-hmm. and I think that if we keep that, we could get another another win. And this will be a short soundbite from Barata on what he's been told about Yankee Stadium. If you remember, he was not with the team last season when it played there. They told me that it's very small, very difficult playing there because of the field and because of the team. They play good too, so it's going to be a tough game. And then what makes it tough for a center back to play on such a small field? Well, the distances are smaller, but I don't know. I think we are used to playing in normal fields but I don't know we need to adapt as every match as every game and we need to adapt to the game and try to win. Machop Chol is becoming one of the first subs off the bench for Atlanta United so I asked him about his approach on being the 12th or 13th player for Atlanta United. For me it's been pretty good Um, I've enjoyed the role coming on as a sub Um, just trying to do what Gonzalo asked of me, so yeah, I've enjoyed it. And of course, Chop recently went to Africa to play for South Sudan as it tries to qualify for the African Cup of Nations, which is a, a really prestigious uh, competition. And South Sudan, it being a relatively new country compared to the others, is trying to qualify for the first time. Yeah, it was a pretty good experience. Um, it took a while to get there, but finally got there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the travel was tough, but yeah, the guys, the group is pretty good. Um, a lot of them speak English, so it's always pretty easy to gel, and yeah, they're very welcoming when I get there. Unbeknownst to a lot of people, Miles Robinson recently became a father. That was revealed while he was with the U.S. men's soccer team. He was asked about that. So I asked him if fatherhood has changed him so far. I mean, I think I'm the same person uh, one way or another, so I'm just trying to you know, stay the same, be the same person, yeah. loving, caring, stuff like that. And here's Robinson talking about just playing NYCFC, a quality team in MLS. Yeah, it's one of those things like uh, we go in, you know, trying to play our best in our style. It's obviously a tough environment uh, based on a lot of different circumstances. Uh, but, you know, I think if we, you know, stick to our game plan, I think uh, we'll get a positive result. And here's Robinson on if a smaller pitch changes his approach to, to being a center back. Um, obviously, it's like a smaller field, so um, with that comes more press. You know more pressure, um, but it's one of those things. You got to move the ball quick. Uh, you got to you know know where you're going with the ball before you get it. And um, obviously, New York City is a good team there. Um, they know exactly what to do to get results there. But it's up to us to you know stay focused uh, throughout the whole 90 minutes and uh, locked in defensively when we don't have the ball. And uh, if we do that, I think we'll be successful. Here's a quick injury update from Gonzalo Pineda on Mateus Uzetu and Andrew Goodman. I think Rosetto is, I don't know, Goodman probably is. He's okay. Just, he's just, yeah, but, but yeah, they're coming back from injuries probably. Goodman uh, is the closest one uh, that just trained partial a couple times this week, and, and today he trained full for the first time. Um, so, yeah, Rosetto has been more uh, within the system for longer. And here's plenty of talking about if the smaller pitch changes at Lenny United's preferred style of play. Well, I, I would say yes. <clears throat> uh, you don't have 
that amount of space, the width and all that is 10 yards probably. Uh, total probably 66 yards around that number uh, of width. Um, so that's five yards on each side compared to Mercedes-Benz. And yeah, maybe a little bit the spacing and the timing one. When you open up the field like right, like you put players outside, normally you have enough space to, to switch and that is hard to cover for a back four, um, the whole field. So I think still we can do something like that, but it's, it's more kind of the, the angles for the guys passing outside that, that changes a little bit, but I think it's okay. I also asked Pineda about the importance of snapping the lose or the non-winning streak against Red Bulls and trying to do that same thing again at Yankee Stadium against NYCFC. Yeah, it's very good. Like, I mean, records and all that, that's that's the less important thing to me. For me, is the consistency in the performances. And, and, you know, last week was about coming back to who we are this year is to remain there and stay there and, and stick to that. Don't have ups and downs throughout the season, having a, a very good standard. Uh, and rather than playing a 10 and then a 5 and then an 8 and then a 7, I prefer always be 7.5 all the time and from there a couple times 8 and aiming for always 8.5, but more established uh, caliber every week. So that's for me consistency. That's what we aim. Um, so for me, it's after a very good game, how we respond after that and you know, making sure that now in a different environment like New York City, the stadium, the grass, the dimensions, all that, the caliber, because... Normally, when we talk about New York City playing away, we always talk about the field. It's also about the opponent. It's a very good opponent. It's a quality opponent. It's a team that plays very good football. So it's all of that, how we can uh, have a good result there. Now, there's an article that uh, was written by one of Atlanta United's employees about some key stats that Atlanta United tries to take away from each game. Nada seemed to quibble a little bit that those are the three main stats. But he did kind of go into a little bit about the important stats that he thinks will be key for Atlanta United against NYCFC. Out of many, many parts of our analysis is, is some part of it, right? It's just a little sample of what we do. Um, but uh, I would say that kind of the main focus for us this year out of those three was uh, the, the quality of the shot, right? The expected goal per chance. That was something that we really wanted to improve because as the article said, last year we identified, even though we were one of the highest or maybe the highest mm-hmm. expected goals total number, right. one of the lowest uh, in terms of uh, expected goals per chance. So that tells something about the type of chances we want to create. Um, so yeah, it's part of everything. I think, I think, I think at times, you know, um, we have a very holistic approach to analysis. So it's just stats, the numbers, uh, but it's also the video and and the knowledge of the game, which at times that you cannot buy that with data. And in that Red Bulls game, Miles Robinson kind of broke up a three-on-one. Peter said it might have ended up being a three-on-two because of Brooks London coming back. But just what he's seen from Robinson this season, if he's playing better than ever. Uh, well, it was a smart play. I think it was uh, Brooks was recovering already, so I don't know if it was three against two kind of situation. But uh, the thing is, yes, we, we talk about that in the film. We show probably Noah. I asked Noah how you know how, how he would do that one, and and yes, like he was very smart first, cutting off the, the the passing lane to the other guy, and from there he understands his physicality to get in that distance for a normal player like me. Probably was too much of a distance between him and and the attacker, but because he understands his speed he was able to measuring that on the fly and then the next touch of the opponent he just covered that play that's the quality we 
we, we get with Miles. So, so yeah, it's, it's not like something that impressed me because I've seen him doing that very often in training sessions. So it's something like, yeah, well, that's, that's kind of normal for him. And now you're going to get to hear 15 minutes or so with Tony Husband, who talks a lot about Atlanta United, uh, things to do in Nashville, because Atlanta United is going to be going there, and he typically does play-by-play for Nashville. Walker Zimmerman, Shaq Moore, who are both Atlanta natives, and Miles Robinson a little bit. So you've seen Atlanta United play the, the past few seasons. What do you think is different about them this season compared to what we saw even last season when they didn't make the playoffs? Well, I think looking at them so far this year, there just seems a bit more of a resiliency and, a, and there seems to be a good character trait that they've got, which that they are getting ultimately what everybody needs in, in soccer, which is results. You know, let's go back to game one of the season. Wasn't wasn't a great performance against San Jose and they needed some magic from Armada to do it. But they've dug out a win from what looked like was going to be a, a, a bad day at the Benz. Uh, and that seems to be the consistent trade that's going through the season for them with the obvious blip in there that is Columbus. And I know we can say, well, it was an international week and there was a change of personnel. It wasn't a dramatic change of personnel, though, to be honest. So that that's a result that still stands out as a bit of an outlier. How much of an outlier, we'll probably only know as the weeks go on and as the season beds in. We're still in early days, I feel, at the moment. But certainly there seems a quality and a trait about this Atlanta team which uh, would suggest that they are going to dig more results out. And, of course, in, a, in an MLS season, the ability to do that is, is so important. Yeah, I was I was impressed is the right word, but it was interesting to see how they bounced back against Red Bulls last week. And the four players who touched the ball on Atlanta United's first goal were all gone in that Columbus match. Miles Robinson to Etienne to Almada to Yakamakis. And it was all they needed to win. But it was good that they showed that fight. Now, going to Yankee Stadium – much smaller pitch, a place they've never won a regular season match again. So this is two consecutive teams they're playing in which they've never won a a regular season match, either against the team or at the stadium. What's the key there, do you think? Well, I think it's to show more of that quality and and those traits that I I spoke about. And actually, it's interesting you picking up there on on that quartet of players who contributed at the weekend. Uh, One of the things that stood out for me in looking ahead to this game is by and large, the consistency uh, that Gonzalo Pineda has been put been able to put out uh, with that back line from Guzan through to the back four that more or less has stayed the same uh, through most of the season so far. And if you can have that consistency, and we know how injury hit Atlanta have been in various positions over the last couple of years, you can see the result of what that can do to a team season when you just can't consistently put the same group out. Clearly, Miles Robinson coming back is a massive boost. And the fact that he's been there barring one game, obviously, week in, week out so far, uh, is a huge bonus um, for this Atlanta group. And they're going to need all of that because, as you said, it's difficult to play at Yankee Stadium. The dimensions of the field are so tight. The the ambience and atmosphere is very, very different from probably any MLS venue. So they're going to have to work very hard against a team in NYCFC, of course, who've been able to use that stadium as absolutely a fortress in their time there. You know, they don't lose many games there. It's going to be interesting whenever they do get a new stadium, if they keep a much smaller pitch within that stadium, uh, because it is, it works to their advantage. They're built to play on that thing. Um, So you've never covered 
an event at Yankee Stadium, are you excited as a sports fan to go and see the place? Doug, I absolutely am. Yeah, this is one of the things, you know, if uh, without digressing too much, you know, one of the things that I was so keen to do coming over from the UK to work over in Major League Soccer was I've been a lifelong American sports fan. I grew up watching, you know, the NFL amongst uh, the first legion of supporters who watched it in in the UK in the kind of the late 80s. (laughs) Um, uh, And you're spellbound by some of these amazing arenas and and the glitz and the glamour of, of, of sports. And you come over here and uh, as much as soccer-specific stadia are, are obviously the way forward for MLS, there are people like me who still love a trip to somewhere like Soldier Field mm-hmm. or to Gillette Stadium, Foxborough. You know, I can't wait to come down to Atlanta. I can't believe I've been here nearly three <laughs> years. I still haven't done a game in Atlanta. and They've got to change that pretty soon. <laughs> but yeah, the sports fan in me is incredibly excited because, you know, I, I, I am not professionally likely ever to call a baseball game in Yankee Stadium. So soccer is going to be my, my most likely trait. So to go to Yankee Stadium, to just sense the history, albeit in a, you know, a moderately new Yankee Stadium, that, you know, it's, it's going to be tremendous. Yes. Is it the perfect soccer venue? No, of course, we know it's not. And I think it's going to be a huge moment for NYCFC and indeed soccer, you know, in Manhattan uh, when they get that stadium built. But it's, you know, it's still a ways off at the moment. So uh, I will enjoy Yankee Stadium and, and enjoy the kind of quirks that is. And, you know, we are in baseball season now as well. So I'll be looking around to see, you know, will there be an extra level of dirt in the ground there in certain <laughs> areas now that actually the season's underway and, you know, they are full on sharing with the Yankees. Yeah, that infield area, which will be the bottom right corner of the field. It's going to be interesting to see how that grass uh, has taken in that spot right there. So in your your long career, what is the most sports famous stadium you've been able to broadcast from? Well, I guess I would have to say Wembley Stadium, Um, you know, because that obviously to any to any Englishman is is the iconic venue. Um, Lucky enough to go to to both versions of of Wembley. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually at the very beginning of my working career, I managed to uh, to report for radio in England on um, on a cup final at the old Wembley Stadium. It was actually. Uh, a pub cup final played between oh. two amateur teams, but <laughs> I can still say I got to see and report on a on a cup final at Wembley, albeit it was played between two two pub teams. Um, but uh, later on, obviously, as the new Wembley came along, uh, I was able to call uh, an FA Cup semi final uh, for radio in that stadium, and then report for television and radio on a, a number of cup finals, whether they be playoff finals in the EFL or indeed FA Cup finals. Uh, and in between that, I also, I can never forget, it's the only game I've ever done there, but the National Stadium, what was Cardiff Arms Park, but then known as the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, mm-hmm. which hosted the FA Cup final while Wembley was being rebuilt. So everybody was playing cup finals in Cardiff. Uh, I called a cup final there, 2003, Southampton and Arsenal, and you know that was a that was a special experience um, to to be in that fine venue. Uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to go to places like Madrid and Barcelona, and, and obviously some of the some of the great venues in sports over here as well. But uh, I think you have to go with Wembley. I think as as being you know a very always a very special place if you're lucky enough to be there. And what is the I don't want to say worst, but most memorable <laughs> for its quirks that you've been to. <laughs> Gosh, yes. I mean, that that is an interesting one to think when I think about some, I, I suppose I will never forget 
doing it was a strange story really because i did an fa cup tie um and you will know you, you know you will know and your listeners who, who know the kind of the, the pyramid of the english game know how the fa cup brings in the minnows from the lower leagues and they make it through to the third round where the bigger clubs come in and bolton wanderers one of the most famous names in english soccer mm-hmm. of years gone by uh they were drawn to play at a little club um in southern england called eastley um, and East was a non-league team, um, you know, with a passionate but small fan base and a small little stadium. And uh, it was uh, it was deemed one of the kind of games of the day in the FA Cup third round a few years ago. Now, I wasn't even due to call the game, but on the morning I got a call. I was fixing a, a washing machine. I was due to go down there to report on it anyway. But I got a phone call from the production at the stadium. And they said, look, the commentator who was down to do it is unfortunately not well. Um, we know you're coming, but can you also call the game for us? So I, I got down to, to Eastleigh and and I hadn't prepared to commentate on the game. And, and the levels of work involved are very different, but I, I did whatever I could to get ready for it. Uh, and then I came to, to actually go around to where the commentary booth would be and basically had to climb up some scaffolding on a ladder um, about 30 steps up these stairs onto the top of a, a, a corrugated iron kind of stand. And then I went into a shed, like a garden shed. Uh, and this was the commentary booth at Eastleigh that day. And, you know, it was it was like your garden shed you get at the garden centre. And I'm there looking at this little plastic glass, plastic window, fake window. Um, and I stuck things on the on the inside walls and things and statistics. And I'm peering out over over this stand watching this game in the rain at Eastleigh. And it, it was actually the, the the main game that day for the for the national audience. And so it was a quirky situation, both in the surroundings I was in, but also actually the the reason I ended up even doing that game. Oh, that's fun. So uh for people who don't know, Tony broadcasts Nashville games. There's two Atlanta area natives on Nashville's roster, Walker Zimmerman and Shaq Moore. How are they yes. doing so far this season? Well, Walker uh, obviously has come back from World Cup and, you know, it remains that towering, consistent presence at the back, you know, for, for Nashville. Outstanding player, just continuing to mature, continuing to get better. Still that wonderful threat from set pieces, you know, so dangerous, um, you know, and, and has already hit the target this season doing that. Shaq Moore equally uh, came in last year, hadn't played in MLS before, spent a lot of time over in, in Europe. Uh, and you know has proved to be a, a an absolute go to part of that that package for for Gary Smith's team. You know they're settled it seems at the moment on playing a back four. Uh, Dave Romney obviously departed to to go to New England in the off season, so Jack Mayer has stepped up, and that relationship he has with Walker Zimmerman is is a very important one in the team. Anyway, obviously the two central defenders, but they're two great friends. Um, and Walker is a, just a, a great advocate for, for Jack. Uh, and Shaq outside, you know, they wanted offensive production as much as as well as defensive production from, from Shaq Moore, you know. And, and he has been able to offer that and is only getting better in, in Gary Smith's system as well. So two players from the Georgia region, I think, of you know, the Zimmerman family. And I think it's Lawrenceville, isn't it, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that they're from? Um, uh, you know, he's just been an absolutely key conduit in, in you know, at what has been a, a successful expansion club in Nashville. It's going to be fascinating to see the competition in the U.S. men's national team now that Robinson is back and looks better than ever with Robinson and Zimmerman and Ream 
and Cameron Carter Vickers and stuff to for that starting eleven for uh, this next round of World Cup qualifying. Now, yeah, strong group. Mean, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a, it's a strong group. I was going to say, isn't it? You know, it's it's strong, and you want that choice. You and you also, you know, you want that balance as well of players. You know, we've just seen a a predominantly European uh, based group play in in the recent window. Uh, of course, joined by Miles Robinson. But uh, now the next window looks like it's going to be a more American-based group. So, you know, it, it's interesting how that works out for me, you know, being a, kind of from Europe and how you can, you can kind of almost have two groups and then you've got to bring them together at certain points as well during the year. But it's certainly options, isn't it, uh, for the temporary or uh, interim coach? And for listeners, I know that the U.S. doesn't have to qualify for the World Cup, but they do still want to put together a cohesive team and get their chemistry and stuff down. So don't come at me with that, please. <laughs> and lastly, Atlanta United is going to be in Nashville, beautiful Nashville, here very soon. Tony, what are some of your go-to places for Atlanta United supporters who may be visiting the Music City for the first time? Well, I understand already, by the way, that there's a good contingent of Atlanta fans who are, are going to be in Tennessee for that game. Uh, everybody knows how well Atlanta travel uh, and how much they add to an atmosphere. Definitely, you know, a game that's seen as, uh, you know, a rivalry fixture within MLS and has turned out some some really big stories and games. The game last year was a uh, one of those epic nights affected by a storm, yeah. wasn't it? But it was still <laughs> still a thrilling game uh, yeah. with a, with the late equaliser for for Atlanta, a really dramatic night at Jonas Park. But if people are coming for the first time, clearly you know you're going to want to get the sights and sounds of Broadway in Nashville. Um, great barbecue scene, Jack Cawthorn's barbecue, Martin's barbecue. You know the, the always worth a visit don't be put off by the lines it just shows that they're popular but they also move quickly um and if you want some chicken nashville obviously great destination for some chicken as well you can check out uh, hattie bees in uh, the wonderful new fifth and broadway center which is which is on uh, on broadway um and if the line's long at hattie bees you got inside uh, fifth and broadway and up the stairs uh, one of my favorites is uh, prince's hot chicken mm -hmm. uh, and a, a nashville original uh, now i only have the mild and i find that hot so just <laughs> that's my warning. You know, if you want to go any hotter than mild, then, you know, you can have a really good plate of hot chicken. But no, I, and Nashville will uh, be welcoming lots of people from Georgia with open arms and, uh, and another really, really good game. In fact, it was one of the games of the season that I picked out for, for Nashville when the schedule came out. I thought that's that's a good game to be at. Yeah, that'll be a fun one. And how do people find you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, I'm uh, at Tony Husband. Uh, so I'll uh, post the odd thing uh, in the run-up to this weekend's game in uh, in New York and uh, Instagram uh, at Tony underscore husband. So uh, feel free to uh, to interact and uh, I'd love to hear from from people. Obviously, build up to and after the game, you know what you thought of it, uh, what you thought of Atlanta's performance, and, and how you felt the game went. All right, thank you, Tony. I appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Ocean breeze tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com.
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you could get three months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining. You can get all of our stories on AJC.com, access to our e-paper, and our assortment of newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from Mark Bradley. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. Now, we got a few voicemails. And again, put this into your phone. Delete every other contact in your phone, your wife, your kids, your grandparents, your boss, and only put this number in, 770-810-5297. Daniel, who is now living in New Zealand, is waiting on your phone calls. That's his only job is to answer the phone. And he gets paid like a million dollars a year to do that. So let's go to the voicemails. Hey, I'm calling for the Southern Fried Soccer podcast. This is Brett from Atlanta, and I just wanted to ask Doug what his favorite and least favorite places are in New York, since he's going to be there this weekend for the game. Where do you like to hang out and kill time before or after the game, and where do you try and avoid at all costs? Thanks. That's a good question. Thank you for that. Um, This trip for me is going to be an in and out uh, flying in Saturday late morning flying out Sunday, late morning. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in New York. Last year, if you remember, the team played at Red Bulls and then at Yankee Stadium or maybe vice versa. I can't remember which, what the order was. But I was in New York for four days, I think. I really enjoy hanging out in the village, just walking around, looking at the people, all the unique restaurants and things like that. I visited the Liverpool pub owned by or co-owned by Jamie Carragher. Uh, that's close to the World Trade Center. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Places I try to avoid. Oh, I, I, there's not too many. Uh, I mean, New York's just a fun city. You get to walk around and, and just, I love walking and people watching. So that it's a great city for me to do that in. If you're going, you know, I mean, you know all the things to do. I, I The one place I guess I would say I don't enjoy very much is Times Square because it's become so... Panama City Beach in the middle of Manhattan, I guess. Uh, for I can't figure out any other way to describe it, but I don't enjoy that very much. Now, on to our second voicemail. Hey, this is Derek in EAV. This question is for Doug at Southern Fried Soccer. Doug, I've got a comment and then a couple of questions for you. First off, I want to get your thoughts on the last two games and the fan and the base reaction, because quite honestly, I've been a little troubled with how everyone's responded. I personally think that Atlanta fans are oftentimes pigeonholed or painted as fair-weather fans, and I feel like we really showed some of those colors after the 6-1 beat down against Columbus. Everyone was ready to take that one bad game and send Gonzo off to live with his auntie and uncle in Bel Air and move on to somebody else. We come back, we have a good win against a strong Red Bulls team, and we can really see the shape of the team coming together here. What are your thoughts on this, the seemingly 
high, strong reactions to the fan base here after just a little bit of adversity. And I wanted to get your thoughts, too, on how you think that impacts the players and the players' mindsets around uh, really showing up and wanting to perform. I think that you have someone like Diego Almada, who obviously I think people are nervous he's going to be sold here in the transfer window. And quite honestly, I agree that maybe the team's not as good without it. There's no way we will be. But I think that's the route we want to go as a club. Like We want to be the channel for young players to come up and make their way to Europe. And if we don't allow someone like Thiago that opportunity, and if we can't show that we can develop a player like him, sell him for $30 million, bring that money to the club to go sign the next Miggy, the next Thiago, then what are we really doing here? Last thing for you, this is total curveball, but I've got a friend who has been asking this and wanting me to call in and ask this as well. If you had to face one Atlanta United player in the octagon, who would it be and why? My buddy Travis Clements, he says he wants to take on his favorite Atlanta United player, Brooks Lennon. Even though Brooks is Travis's favorite player, he thinks he's got him in the size arena, size uh, at least in the size size category. All right, Doug, thanks for everything you do. Appreciate you uh, listening to this long and rambling message. Talk to you later. Okay, so if I had to face one Atlanta United player in the octagon, and I assume the point would be to win. You know, I do have the strength of 10 men. I need to point that out first. And the brain of a half a man. So let's see. Nobody is suffering any long-term injuries, so I have to rule all them out. Even Ozzy Alonso was out running around again. I'm going to say Machop Chol simply because he's tall and thin, and I probably outweigh him by a large amount. And I don't know if he can box or anything. So that would be my pick. That's nothing, no offense to Chop. I, I love him. He's a good guy. But that would probably be my pick. Now, if we could have done this last year, good Lord, anyone that suffered a season-ending injury, I would have put in there and just kind of danced around him. You know, little float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Uh, your sec, your third question, I'm working on these backwards, was about Amada. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta United is never going to stand in the way. The, the nightmare scenario, I would assume, for Atlanta United would be something like Barcelona comes in and offers $10 million, a really low-market, low-ball offer from a team that I assume Almada would just has dreamed of playing for. That would be the nightmare scenario, but I don't think that's going to happen. Atlanta United would not stand in the way. As long as it's a good situation for the player, the offer is good, and all parties are in agreement. So... That, that's not going to be an issue. Your second question was about fan base reaction to Columbus and Red Bulls. Uh, no, no, it was about it, it, it was about how the players react to fan base reaction. And it's funny because we were talking about this today at training. If I were a professional athlete or in sports management, I would not be on social media at all. I would not want to see the negativity. I would not want to see... The uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The the fealty that a lot of these people might experience if they're reading the tweets or the posts or whatever, the TikToks, the Instagramming about them. I, I just I wouldn't stay. It it's got to warp with your mind after a while. It's got to. Now going to your first question, yeah, I mean it, some people, not all, some are always looking to take on their least favorite player or person in the front office or whatever, and will warp their take based upon the results 
angled toward the front office. So, for example, after the loss to Columbus, I actually saw people tweeting that the team didn't create, the front office didn't create enough depth for Atlanta United against Columbus. But at the same time, failing to recognize Atlanta had seven players go out on international duty. I think it was tied for the most of the most in Major League Soccer. So you want to criticize them for not having a lot of depth, but you don't want to say anything about they signed enough players of international quality. It's a, that's a little silly, you know? I mean, come on. If, if you're going to say something negative, come back with something positive. It's why I, I put on Twitter uh, two weeks ago, look, if your take is going to be something about Lennon is bad or Guzan is bad or Bocanegra is bad, just don't put it on my timeline because I'm tired of reading that. It's an old, tired narrative. Let's get through 10 games. Let's see what happens. And then we can start diving in a little bit deeply into things that may be wrong as long as we also talk about the things that are going well. And I've been guilty of this earlier in my career of being, you know, maybe a little too negative, but it's just, I don't have the energy. I don't have the bandwidth anymore. So if you want to say something negative, that's fine. But just tell, tell me something that you think is positive. I mean, I'd agree with you in either case, but at least it gives us a little bit more to talk about. Friend of the podcast, Mike says, as a newer fan who hasn't watched a road game at Yankee Stadium, is the pitch actually smaller? If so, how is it allowed? Make it make sense. Oh, it's smaller. It's definitely smaller. You will see it immediately on television that it is beyond tiny. It's allowed because that's the only place that NYCFC could play. And so MLS says the field is 70 by 110, but it's not 70 by 110. It's not. And then you have the infield getting covered with sod, loose sod. It's going to come up during the game, particularly now that we're in baseball season. It's really... From a, It's cool to be in Yankee Stadium, as I was talking about with, with Mr. Husband earlier in the podcast, because it's, you know, it's a sporting cathedral. But in terms of actually working a game and, and watching it, because our press box will be down the third baseline, the field's in the outfield, it's not a fun experience. It's not fun for the players. It's, it's demolition derby soccer. Josh has two questions for the podcast. He says he's been meaning to say how much he enjoys the audio clips. Of the players and coaches, so uh, you're welcome. Uh, Daniel gets a lot of credit for that, who is now in Fiji, I believe, looking at my little Santa Claus map of Daniel's travels. Josh continues, we hear a lot about the non-FIFA spec size of field at Yankee Stadium. What would be the consequences to you professionally if you were able to measure the field and reported that it was undersized? Uh, Well, we're not allowed on the field before the game, uh, so I couldn't do that if I wanted to. I found it curious that the field is often discussed, but no one has done an official measurement. Well, again, MLS says the official measurement is 70 by 110. Other MLS coaches who've been quoted have walked it and said, no, it's not that big. I've written about this before, the difference in the size of the field. I think I wrote about it uh, recently, um, in, or not recently, but the last time Atlanta United uh, had a home-and-home home with NYCFC in the playoffs. So that would have been 2018. I think, but just so you'll, you can understand the difference and you're going to have to do the math because I have my shoes and socks on and can't do it right now as I'm looking at them. Mercedes Benz stadium field dimensions are one of the largest in major league soccer. It is one fifteen by 75. NYCFC is listed as one ten by 70. So that's five yards length width squared will give you the difference. But it's actually, again, smaller than that. So there's just not a lot of room to maneuver. 
He continues, on a scale from Caleb Wiley to Sasha Kleshton, who had the best mustache in the history of Law & Order? Uh, so I'm going to go with Ice-T, uh, Tutuola, Detective Tutuola on Special Victims Unit. There's not too many characters that actually have mustaches. There's only like two or three of the recurring people. But good question. Friend of the podcast, Henry, says, how do you feel about this game? Are you optimistic? Why or why not? Eh, I don't know. Atlanta is playing well. Uh, NYCFC always plays well at home. It's a tough place to win. So I'm a little bit optimistic, but, you know, who knows? Atlanta likes to play wide. Long switches of play and long balls over the top from center backs or midfielders to a wide winger have been hallmarks of this team's attack. However, they're about to go to one of the narrower fields in Major League Soccer. How can they adjust to this and still play their brand of attacking soccer? Well, they've been working on it this week. They've been working on playing on smaller pitches. They do that a lot, though, no matter where they go. We saw some of the training session on Tuesday. I wrote about some of the drills they did. If you want to look that up on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, just go through my timeline and you'll see it. But but they have been working on moving the ball quickly, getting it into some spaces where they can attack. And Henry continues, how many home runs will Araujo score? He always seems to hit the ball out of the park. Well, this would be a, a really good question if the field was stretched across the infield, but it's stretched across the outfield. So I don't think he's going to hit too many, but you know, I like the idea behind the question. Brian says, and this was sent in, I think, after the Red Bulls game, the day after the Red Bulls game. Given how much the offensive flow improved, swapping Wiley for Moreno, wouldn't you expect similar gains in a lineup without Arahujo? While clearly the most talented option, he cuts inside on his left foot almost exclusively and ignores the runs of Brooks Lennon to such an extent that defenses rarely even try to cover him. Yeah, I've, been, I've pointed this out now for about a year. Um, when you see Lennon with the ball, it's not usually because Arahujo got it to him. It's usually because of a big switch or maybe Almada played him in. Uh, I'd have to look at the – that's just anecdotal. The stats may say otherwise, but that's just anecdotal. Now, I don't think I don't think the team would be better without Arahujo. Um, I just think he's, he's just kind of got to get his confidence back a little bit. It's a little weird because he played so well in the preseason and it's just not there right now, but I think it'll come back. I, I think it would be maybe smart to put him on the left side where he remembers he can cross the ball and things like that instead of always having to cut in, but we'll see. All right, and here is our question of the week. Eric, twice consecutive questions of the week. While you're in New York, do you have plans to run down the steps of the School of Performing Arts, race into the street, and dance on the hood of a cab while singing fame? If so, you know, please stretch first. Well, what makes you think I haven't already done that, Eric? But I always, always remember to wear my tights, my Lycra, and my leg warmers whenever I cover a game. It just, it's more comfortable, and sometimes it starts conversation. All right, this is Doug Robertson. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. This is Southern Fried Soccer. As always, hug your loved ones and communicate with your loved ones. Y'all take care. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. 
The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.